0: Hey, it's Luke at Hip, and if you've been listening to the Grow Ortho podcast maybe for weeks, months, or in some cases years, you know that we typically interview an industry expert, whether it be someone working in the office or a consultant, uh, or just a strategic partner for orthodontists. Well, we're going to change things up just a bit, and this year we've actually released four books, and so we're going to release every audiobook, basically a chapter for each episode. Listen, enjoy, and let us know what you find valuable and implement and what works well in your office. Thanks so much for supporting HIP. And we hope you enjoy all these episodes on the Practice Growth Series. Chapter 5 Attracting the Right People for the Right Seats. A while back, one of my clients told me about the COO they hired to run their practice. After a few months of working with this person, they realized he had fabricated the entire interview process and hid behind the mask of an elite expert in operations. Once he had to deliver on his talk, the mask fell away, revealing that he was not what he had portrayed himself. On top of it all, he started to rub the entire team the wrong way. He was rude, egotistical, sexist, and basically a creep. This team had worked very hard to implement systems and procedures with accountability and ownership for results. They thought they were taking the next logical step in their growth by adding the role of the COO. They had been growing consistently and continued to see an increase in production after he came on board. Even though he had only been with the team for three months, he tried to take the credit for a 35% increase in production while leaving a path of destruction in his wake. He claimed to be able to negotiate insurance contracts that would provide generous reimbursements. Upon further scrutiny, what he was suggesting was insurance fraud. He boasted connections with oral surgery centers, which later denied having any affiliation with him. He talked poorly about staff members behind their backs, and on one occasion, blatantly called the doctor's sister-in-law stupid. One team member quit, citing him as her reason for leaving. In her exit interview, she mentioned that six other team members were thinking of quitting because of him as well. He actually went as far as touching a woman's backside during a community event. Luckily, there were witnesses. Not only had he wreaked havoc on the practice from the inside, but he had also managed to tarnish the brand to the public. After dealing with all these unfortunate events, he was terminated shortly thereafter. The Onboard Terrorist this insufferable COO is an over-the-top example of what we call an onboard terrorist. This is someone who hijacks your office with negative attitudes and toxic behaviors, ultimately ruining the culture you and your team work so hard to build. The first time I heard this term was during an interview I did with David Stoughton, a business consultant who works with plastic surgeons in Australia. This is how he describes the onboard terrorist. Someone in your practice who is absolutely killing your practice. It can be the wicked person at the front desk. It could be the practice manager. It could be the nurse. There's somebody in there that just doesn't want to do it and is literally limiting and minimizing your practice. They are your onboard terrorist who is stopping your practice from growing. Most of the time, this person will make little to no effort to change and continue to tarnish relationships and ignore procedures despite multiple retraining attempts. Often, they're someone that you feel is indispensable. They want you to feel this way, and that's exactly how they hold you hostage. You may have inherited them when you took over a practice. They could be running the whole show, and you worry that if they left, all the knowledge would go out the door with them. No matter what you try to do to convince yourself that they are helping your practice, something always feels off. The worst thing you can do for your business is to keep an onboard terrorist on board. You have to keep a lookout for these people because they are like a cancer in your office. They take more than their fair share of energy and give nothing in return. Some are terminal if they are not removed immediately, but many go unnoticed for long periods before the damage they are causing is discovered. Another practice we worked with appeared to be crushing it for a while. Their marketing was working brilliantly, until it wasn't. One day, the doctor called me and said, Hey, Luke, my production is tanking. It didn't make sense. When we started looking into things a little deeper, we found out that they were not following up with leads, and no one on the team was taking any accountability for the processes we had shown them for responding to and converting the leads we generated. It turned out that the office manager wasn't holding team members accountable. She was more interested in the team liking her than leading them. We had to dig in, create some systems, create an org chart for them, and encourage her to train teams to be specialists versus generalists. As soon as we started holding her accountable, she quit. Three other team members followed her out the door. We helped the doctor hire and train the right team members, and now he's thriving. While it can be painful to fire someone, it has to be done. You simply can't allow people to hijack your vision and destroy your practice. If you've found yourself in a similar situation, you're not alone. Most practices will struggle with an onboard terrorist at one point or another. This person could be absolutely anyone from the treatment coordinator to the director of operations. Regardless of who it is, take action quickly. Holding on always leads to a toxic workplace environment and tanked conversion rates. I'm currently dealing with an eight-figure practice, but this year they're down by three million in production. They've blamed it on staffing since they missed 50% of calls. The COO complained that they couldn't find quality people to do the scheduling coordinating role because they refused to work for $14 per hour. All of them want a minimum of $18 per hour. My response? Well, just pay them $18 per hour. You're an eight-figure practice closing on dozens of starts per day at $5,000 each, and you can't pay your scheduling staff a livable wage? It's not rocket science. Times have changed. Inflation is through the roof, and it's tough to live in this economy. People aren't going to feel motivated to do their job if they're barely scraping by. Unfortunately, this COO has limiting beliefs that are not serving his staff or the practice's growth. He doesn't believe this solution is what will allow them to maintain their eight-figure practice. So they won't, and they'll continue to lose quality people because they can't wrap their heads around the reality we're currently living in. If I were the CEO, I would probably coach this individual and break down the obstacles so we can move forward together. If that doesn't work, I would start looking for a new COO. So it comes down to these questions. How can you ensure you're going through the proper hiring and onboarding process to avoid bringing on an onboard terrorist? Are your roles adequately defined and laid out in an accountability chart? Do you have procedures for training and evaluation that ensure that an employee is measuring up to their role and delivering? In this chapter, we'll address these questions and demonstrate the right processes to adhere to in hiring, training, evaluating, and terminating. This will help you attract the right candidates who fully align with your core values and contribute to the positive culture in your practice. Creating a thriving ecosystem. Like an evolving ecosystem, everything within your practice must integrate harmoniously from your core values to your processes and your people to prosper. You need people who will create a positive culture, but you also need a workplace environment where your people can thrive. Many moving parts occur simultaneously to make this happen. Still, it's not difficult to achieve if you and your team are actively sticking to your vision and implementing your core values. As Dr. Fishbein said in the previous chapter, you have to give your staff a reason to come to work every day. But you also need staff who deliver to their full capacity every time. It's this interchangeable relationship where you can't have one without the other. So... If you want a thriving ecosystem, it's best to either get rid of the organism that has the capability of dissolving it completely or better yet, prevent it from entering in the first place. This is why your hiring process is essential for the success of your practice. Get it right the first time around and eliminate threats that tarnish your ecosystem. Breaking down the hiring process. Who's doing the hiring? If you have a small practice, you are probably responsible for hiring your employees. But if you intend to grow as a medium or even large size to practice, you should get your COO to take over the hiring process. If you have other departments and roles in place and a COO knowledgeable in each of those departments and roles, it should be an area they can excel in because they know the exact responsibilities a prospective candidate must be able to fulfill. So ensure your COO reads this section of the book as well, as it's written specifically for you and them. Where should you source your candidates from? Many of the nation's leading orthodontic practices, like Fishbine and Smiles mostly rely on warm referrals when looking to hire for their departments. This is a great approach because you would be getting those referrals from your already beloved staff or family members who may have someone in mind whom they believe aligns with your practice's core values like they do. Amanda from Fishbine has compiled a team where over 90% of the staff were hired based on warm referrals. We hire strictly based on warm referrals. The 90% that I've hired have been from them knowing someone who works here, or they had a friend or family member who is or was a patient who referred them to us. The other 10% have been from people I've come across from other establishments. Literally, if I receive great customer service from someone, I'll give them my business card and tell them if they want to change their profession to give me a call. Warm referrals are a great method, but they aren't always as successful as Amanda's experience. Therefore, you should have other options available when looking to hire, such as posting a job description on a job board site like Indeed. LinkedIn or ZipRecruiter. You will be fishing in a bigger pond, so it's important to make sure your job descriptions are as detailed as possible, outlining the key responsibilities, attributes, and experience you're looking for to find a handful of ideal candidates to interview. Review the COO job description at hip.agency forward slash the scalable practice if you'd like to see an example of what this description should look like. But like most things in life, it's great to have someone to guide you through it. If you want to source the right candidates for your practice, consider reaching out to Wiseman Strategies. They provide a guided service to help employers find the right talent to reduce turnover, increase retention, and improve engagement. HIP partnered with them a couple of years ago, and they've helped us, and many of our orthodontic partners, hire several of our talented staff members since then. I spoke to Tony Wiseman, CEO of Wiseman Strategies, about sourcing the right candidates when hiring talent for your business. Here's what he had to say. When you do the appropriate work ahead of time and assess the job itself, you get targeted language you can put in a job posting that calls out to the right candidate to apply. You need to write a captivating hook, determine what the job stimuli are and how someone will respond to that and think about the words themselves. What you say and how you say it says a lot about what you want and care about. So you need to be proactive in the way that you post but also in what you post. It's also a great idea to ask candidates in the description to send an introductory video of themselves. It'll help you get to know the person beyond their resume. I have to say, the introductory video works. We've been asking for introductory videos from our prospective candidates at HIP since I initially heard this from Tony. Mostly because the ones that are not serious about the position just won't include a video, which means you can easily toss their resumes aside. Focus on the candidates who did send in the video. They're the ones that are interested in the role. Even billionaire Richard Branson believes in this method. In his masterclass, he asserts that just by receiving a five-minute video from a candidate, you'll be able to see a lot of their personality. You're going to see whether they're smiling or if they've got some oomph. To learn more about Wiseman Strategies Guided Services, visit hip.agency forward slash the scalable practice. So you've compiled your list of prospective candidates using this approach and they all look good now how should you prepare for the interview remember the predictive index pi of course since i've shown you numerous examples in front desk secrets the ultimate treatment coordinator and earlier on in this book at this point it's best to get your candidates to complete a pi assessment of their own It'll help you assess behavioral aspects of the role and determine how your candidate is most likely to perform, if they are in alignment, if there's a gap, or if they have the right coping mechanisms to address their weaknesses. Ultimately, it will help you understand if the person will be able to assimilate with the culture of your practice. In the meantime, you should be coming up with a list of questions that address the person as a whole. You want to find out who they are, what they like, what their short and long-term goals are, and why they want to work for you. You want to ensure they're the right fit for your practice. But this is what many practices forget to ask. Is your practice the right fit for them? So consider this. Before you start the Q&A part of the interview, it may be wise to have the candidate watch a presentation about your practice. Include who you are, your history, your backstory, your core values and DNA, your customers or patients, and your expertise you can make a slide deck to include a presentation summary, including keywords, phrases, and photos. It doesn't have to be very long. 15 to 30 minutes would do the trick. It's about selling them on your mission and what you stand for. Your candidates will appreciate the transparency you've given them, and if they're the right fit, they'll buy into it, and it will be easier to move on with the interview process. So spend the time to create this before the interview. Visit hip.agency forward slash practice to see the slide deck HIP uses in our hiring process. How do you create a great interview experience? Before we go over each interview phase in detail, I've outlined some key things to consider to create a great interview experience. Be sure to apply these during the two interview phases. Be prepared in advance and remain consistent, i.e., Have your slide deck and questions ready for each candidate. Before the interview, explain to each candidate how the interview will go, as it will help set clear expectations, maintain structure, and diffuse nervous energy. Make sure you stick to your questions and avoid bringing things up that can be a concern for discrimination. I.e., don't ask about their age, sexual preferences, political stance, or religion. When interviewing candidates, use a scoring card or matrix to compare them equally without bias. Discern if the candidate is the right fit for your practice, i.e. the role, team culture, etc. Determine if their strengths will allow them to do the job well and if you can train their gaps. Let's say you want to conduct two interviews with your prospective candidates. You've compiled a handful of resumes that align best with the job description And a few of them have even sent introductory videos of themselves and have described what excites them about the role and your practice. Those people have a great demeanor, an impressive resume, and confidence that you see working for your practice. You decide you want to start the interview process with them, so you send them the PI assessment to complete before their first interview. The First Interview Your first interview is about getting to know the candidate and them getting to know you. You can easily do this by setting up a video call via Zoom where you can showcase your brief presentation about your company and ask your preliminary questions to the candidate. This will allow the candidate to find out about your company and decide if you're the right workplace for them. Similarly, it'll give you an idea if they'd be the right fit for your culture and brand identity. For your questions, you'll want to keep it light since you're getting to know the person. Start with some introductory questions, ask about their experience, Dive into the role they've applied for, and ask more specific questions like, Can you tell me a bit about yourself? Why do you want to work for our company? What are your salary expectations? Why are you leaving your current role? How do you run meetings? How would you set expectations for team members and manage resources? Can you tell me about a situation when you had to implement something new? Is there a situation when you had to accomplish multiple objectives under a tight timeline? If we were to make an offer, what's your timeline? If you're satisfied with their answers, proceed to the second interview. The second interview. The second interview is where you'll ask some of the harder questions like, what is your greatest strength? What is the toughest decision you ever had to make? How comfortable are you with terminating someone if needed? How do you perform under pressure? How do you hope or plan to shield the owners of the company long term? How hard will you work in your first 90 days to get up to speed to assist in running the company? How do you plan to understand what we do and how we work to effectively manage the team? When you've reached the end of the process, consolidate the note you've taken into a document. Include the person's general information, the results of their PI assessment, and notes about the questions asked and answers received from the first and second interviews. Evaluate the documents fairly and decide who gets the role. By this point, you should feel confident with your decision and excited to begin the onboarding process. To see an example of this document and to listen to a second interview with me and a prospective candidate who applied for a marketing position with HIP, FYI, she got the job visit hip.agency forward slash the scalable practice unveiling the onboarding process congrats you've gone through the entire interview process from beginning to end if you've done it correctly you're probably feeling super confident about your new hire you've provided a successful candidate experience that will hopefully turn into a successful employee experience But to make sure your new hire is on the road towards a successful employee experience, you need to equip and prepare them from the start. And that begins with your onboarding process. Your onboarding process needs to be just as smooth as your hiring process for that new hire to shine. Breaking down the onboarding process. Who's doing the training? At this point, your new hire should already have a clear understanding of your history, core values, DNA, and mission and a brief idea about what to expect from their role and the responsibilities required to perform the role successfully. But other than that, they're a blank canvas waiting to be turned into a masterpiece. The way they are trained from this point forward is a direct reflection of their future success. So, if they're trained poorly, they'll perform poorly. It's probably best to get one of your more seasoned staff members to do the training from here on out. As you and your COO have been heavily involved in the hiring process, it's time to relinquish the reins and get back to the other pressing tasks you need to do to run your business. Janet from All Smiles is involved in the hiring process from the initial job post to the moment the candidate is hired. But that journey ends on their first day. I'll do everything with them up until their first day. Then the team lead, office manager, takes over. They can either train the new hire themselves if they have the time or get a seasoned staff member who's knowledgeable of each role and department to do it. They'll get them to fill out the onboarding forms, set them up with the online training, go over each of the checklists, shadow different roles within the practice, and schedule them for weekly check-ins to provide feedback. All our new hires have a four-week training checklist they have to complete and submit to me for review, so that's only when I enter into the picture again. Which resources should you use to train? If you're an established practice, you most likely already have many up to date training manuals and checklists to help get your new hires started. But it can sometimes feel a bit daunting to dive headfirst into a manual that outlines everything they're responsible for. So instead, ease them into the process with a series of videos to help get them started. One thing I recommend to all our clients is to have their new staff take HIPS Ultimate Training Guide. There are dozens of videos applicable to a variety of departments and roles. We have ones dedicated to your front desk and scheduling coordinators, your treatment coordinators, your marketing team, and even ones for your director of operations and COOs. The videos provide a general overview of navigating the position effectively allowing your new hires to get a sound idea of how to perform early in the onboarding process. In addition to that, we also have a whole section dedicated to practice speaking, PB, organized in a way that will walk your new hire through the entire system. Depending on their role, you can also get them to read Front Desk Secrets and The Ultimate Treatment Coordinator. And this book too, if you've hired a director of operations or COO to run your practice as it will provide them with practical tools such as systems, processes, and best practices to get them right on track. And before you know it, they will have settled into the role quite seamlessly. You'll have access to the complete set of videos in the Ultimate Training Guide by visiting hip.agency forward slash the scalable practice. All you have to do is submit your email address, name, and phone number, and you'll receive unlimited access to our training modules so you can provide the ultimate training experience to your new employees. How do you track their progress? Tracking the progress of every new hire is essential if you want to ensure they're assimilating into the role well. Letting small mistakes go unnoticed for too long can turn into mayhem, so ensure your team catches them early and continuously coaches to improve and accelerate their progress. There are a few things your team will want to pay attention to, such as, are they catching on quickly? Are they asking the right questions? Are they learning from their mistakes? Are they eager to learn more? Are they visibly excited to show up to work? Are they going above and beyond? If you can confidently say yes to all of these questions, your team is on the right track to move forward. But if they're not, it's important to let your team know to raise these concerns early so you can nip them in the bud at the onset. Habits are harder to break down the road, and you definitely don't want an onboard terrorist situation. True leadership is key. Ultimately, your new hire will only thrive in their new role if they have the proper leadership to help them succeed. You empower your leaders, and they empower your staff. I often recall an excerpt from Napoleon Hill's classic book Think and Grow Rich when I think about what it means to be a true leader. In the book, he concludes that successful leaders tend to think and act similarly. To back up his statement, he outlines 11 major attributes he believes all leaders have in common after observing 25,000 successful people over a 25-year time frame. These include: 1. unwavering courage. 2. Self-control. 3. A keen sense of justice. 4. The definitiveness of decision. 5. The definitiveness of plans. 6. The habit of doing more than paid for. 7. A pleasing personality. 8. Sympathy and understanding. 9. Mastery of detail. 10. Willingness to assume full responsibility 11 cooperation when your leadership team exemplifies each of these major attributes it won't go unnoticed by your staff quite the contrary your staff will begin to embody these attributes and grow into a leader themselves when that kind of confidence and assurance consistently surrounds you it's contagious my team at hip decided to create our version of these attributes they are written on our break room whiteboard to remind us of our commitment to whom we need to be every time we come to work. One, stay in the details. Two, be willing to do everything that I delegate. Three, expect to be paid for what I do, not know. Four, not afraid of subs rising to my level. Five, great imagination. Six, selfless, needs no honor. 7. Temperate. 8. Loyal. 9. Leads by encouragement, sympathy, understanding. 10. Needs no title. It's time to measure your growth. Now that you have sourced the right people for the right seats, you can successfully showcase your brand and culture to the rest of the world. It's an exciting time, usually when proper growth starts. Your name is out there, and people are hearing the buzz. Your phones are getting busier, and your staff is working to their total capacity. The more you grow, the more intense this will become. Are you ready for it? I'm sure you are, because that's why you're reading this. But do you know how to correctly track, measure, and report all of this newfound growth? Do you know what it takes to do this daily, weekly, and monthly? Don't worry if this is new to you because that's what we'll discuss in the next chapter.